Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1084. As you're in a company, maybe you disagree with them, but you have to support them. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I'm revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Bruce McCallum. Hey, Bruce, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Yes, sir, I am. All right, here we go. Bruce McCallum is the owner of Epic Exposure, a professional digital content creation where he's a photographer offering multifaceted image creation, focusing on, like the way I put that focusing in there, on action, adventure, and automobiles. His studio is 3,000 square feet, plus a variety of mobile access platforms that allow for remote, difficult-to-reach, weather-impaired photo assignments. He shoots portraits of automobiles, mostly, but people, too, and offers an on-site, large-format printing service as well. He was born and raised up here in the Pacific Northwest, where I live. Bruce has worked in the fishing industry. He's raced motorcycles. He was a longtime Microsoft employee. However, it was his passion for photography and automobiles and people where he focuses his time and talents today. So, Bruce, I've told our listeners just a wee bit about you. Would you take a brief moment, share a little bit more about your career and a very obvious passion for automobiles and photography? Oh, yeah. So uh, the photography thing all started with uh, my grandparents. They do slideshows. And so it was kind of a place for the family gatherings and whatnot. And because you could do a slideshow, then everybody had a comfortable place to sit and you could look at this big screen, whatever. And, and I was just fascinated by the imagery. As we go later in life, I ended up working in Alaska for 10 years almost. And then trip through Microsoft for 25 years. And, <laughs> trip and through did- Microsoft. <laughs> I like the way you put that. 25 years. Wow. Yeah. And so it, it was one of those things where, you know, you're inside of a building, you never see the outside of a building. And, uh, you know, it was a heck of a ride. And so one thing led to another. And, and I found myself thinking, geez, I'm getting kind of close to the end of my time here. And I really want to go back and kind of revisit the photography aspect. Uh, my grandfather on my dad's side, he built a Model T in his living room for like, you know, 100 years Oh wow! and uh, denied my grandmother the chance to ever have a family dinner, um, <laughs> you know. And so he kind of started this passion in me. I kept thinking, wow, what are these guys doing that they're so passionate about building these automobiles? And he passed it on to my dad. And of course, I ended up with it. Marrying the two together was like, you know, hey, there's all this photography. What could I go do? There's portrait photography and pets and dogs and weddings and all that stuff. And well, that's interesting. It's just not differentiated enough for me. So what I did is I built a studio that I could actually take portrait pictures of cars. I'm the guy that takes the pretty one-shot portrait in magazine cover stuff or over your fireplace or whatever would be, right. uh, you know, image of the car. Well, I'll let our listeners know it's quite a studio, too, up here. I mean, it's absolutely fantastic. I've had some past guests uh, on the show that have been out there and shot Jason Tang, of course, and um, uh, several other guys that have shot at your studio that just go, wow, this place is cool. I know that I've been invited to bring my uh, Orange Crush Turbo up there to shoot some pictures, so I got to get up there and and, uh, partake in some of the fun you guys are having. Well, as we continue on your journey, I always like to start with a success quote or a mantra. This is some kind of saying that has great meaning for you. It's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars, yeah? So, Bruce, take the wheel. Uh, let's see. Probably my inspirational quote <laughs> is a little strange, but uh, safety third. Uh, and, and, <laughs> no, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Safety <laughs> third. Okay, I remember safety first and then safety fast, the MG slogan, but safety third. This is interesting. 
it doesn't fit very well in the when I worked in Alaska and it was industry and all that. We oh, really yeah. have to pay attention to to safety, right? So right. Uh, it's kind of a play on that. But uh, in terms of kind of like taking chances in life, safety third was if I was just playing it safe, I would have pursued maybe more into the tech industry. I would have, you know, I mean, I'm not anywhere near where I can retire. I'm I'm certainly a long ways away from that. So. But this was an opportunity. I just a window of an opportunity to go try something. And I kind of threw caution to the wind to some degree. I did a whole lot of research. I mean, it wasn't quite throwing a dart at a wall. But uh, for my safety, after being 25 years of having something stable and going from an income level that could allow me to do things like build a studio to now have an income level that says, <laughs> you know, hey, what are we what are we doing? But we're having a lot more family time. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. You know, I, I get more time for dollar that way. Anyway. Well, I love this story because you reinvented yourself and you did it a couple of times in your career. I mean, going from the fishing industry. Yeah. Talk about danger. Uh, we all t- see the crab fishing up there in the northwest or up in Alaska and any kind of fishing out on the open ocean is dangerous. And then going to Microsoft. Yeah. Pretty safe cocoon in a way. And I know your story. After 25 years, they did a massive layoff, and you were part of that. Oh, my gosh, you get the rug yanked from underneath you where you thought everything was content and fine until you retired. And and But, you know, risk is good, and I hear this from many, many guests. Risk is good. Failure is even good because you learn a lot of things, and we're going to learn a little bit about that in a moment. But first, I want to go back in time and talk about a story that instigated your passion for cars. You talked about your grandfather building a Model T in your grandmother's dining room, which is hilarious. I don't know how he got away with that. She must have loved him quite a bit. But tell us a pivotal story. I should say, tell us a story about a pivotal moment in your life when you knew that you were a car guy, just like some of the other folks in your family. Well, you know, I mean, it, it was just one of those things where I, I my, my my grandfather was alive for most of my life and, and my father as well. And so they just had this, it's like a, a tick or something. There was some passion that they had. And so one of the things that I ended up doing was I kind of against my father's wishes, I went out and bought a 1969 Fastback Mustang. And I did so when I was 20 years old. So it was after high school and it was, you know, as we're, we're trying to go into the college thing. And I spent my Alaska money on this car. I worked on that thing every day for five years. I never did anything else. That was the only thing that came about. Finally, my parents took me aside and they said, hey, you know, you're five years. You've never been on a date. You've never done, you know, you've never done anything. All you've done is invest in this car and you work extra jobs and you have no time and you're not you're not doing anything with your life. And so it was kind of in that time period where it was like, you know, I could realize, hey, I'm I'm really hooked in this thing. Right. I'm you I don't, think <laughs> yeah, it, it provided a level of freedom. It provided a mechanical knowledge. You know, I could tell you the valve sizes. I could tell you, you know, I mean, I ported my own heads and I blah, blah, blah. I did all this stuff. So it was a learning experience and it was something that I could do kind of leveraging the history that came before me and using their knowledge and then being able to spend time with those guys, too. Yeah. Well, obviously, uh, you're dwelling on your passion very intensely. But uh, my goodness, son, get out and have a date once in a while, you know? Well, (laughs) yeah, I I wouldn't even know what that was at the time. (laughs) Well, you were having fun. That's the most important thing. Well, let's take a look at some of these roads you've driven down because you've had some interesting careers. You've raced motorcycles, you've fished, Microsoft, of course, and now you have your own studio doing photography, portraits of automobiles, which is fantastic. Share with us a big challenge or a big failure along the way. I'll bet you you've had a few of those, a story you can share with us. Uh, But more importantly, what did that experience teach you so you can move forward? 
Going back to the Microsoft thing, I had like 18 hours of notice from being where I thought I was on top of the world and I was actually driving a bunch of initiatives that I kind of outlived other people, right? I mean, as you're in a company, maybe you disagree with them, but you have to support them, right? right? And then these people may go on and, and move to do other things. And so then that leaves a vacuum to some degree. And if you're ready for that vacuum, you can fill it. The idea then was, wow, I'm actually at a place where I can make decisions and it influences a whole bunch of things that I couldn't have done, say, 10 years prior. Right. Once I got the notice and then to say, okay, how do you pivot, right? And so I was yeah. not – yeah. I was not prepared to do a pivot. And lots of people nowadays, especially in the corporate environment, will tell you that, you know, corporate is not 40 years and retire and, and all that. So being prepared to pivot is just something that now I'm trying to do that even here in the photography studio as well. What business comes in? Well, there's a thousand ways to potentially make money. But then of those thousand ways, go try a few. Certainly some are going to fail. Maybe all will fail. As long as you limit the scope of your mistakes as to that you can recover, then take that and, and be able to pivot to the next one and try that and pivot to the next one and try that. So honestly, I think the thing with Microsoft, it really kind of reinforced what I heard before was be able to pivot. And then I had to do it and I wasn't prepared for it. And today now, some three or four years later, I'm certainly more capable than I was at that time. No doubt. Well, I appreciate you sharing a, what was obviously a hugely challenging time in your life. And especially, you know, you and I are about in the same age bracket here. And and when something like that happens and you go, wait, I'm not ready to retire. You can't retire me now. I mean, I've still got years ahead. I thought I'd be here for another 10, 15 years. But I think there's a couple things here. One is the uh, Boy Scout motto, be prepared. Uh, you shared that little secret, which is huge. I, that's why they teach you that in the Boy Scouts. Uh, I think I missed that one in, in class. I was off surfing probably on that one. But uh, I went through a similar kind of thing and you just kind of go, well, what am I going to do now? And you know, I think you're right. Being prepared, always being looking or always looking for something else is a good thing. And um, lots of times uh, we need to be pushed out of that comfort nest to do something more exciting with our lives, just like what you figured out. So kudos to you again for, for not just jumping into another corporate job, if you will, but going out and doing what you, what you love. And maybe this doesn't work. Obviously, it's working because of what you're doing. But, you know, if you don't try it, you'll never know. And you get to the end of your life and go, woulda, shoulda, coulda. And that's no way to end your life, that's for sure. Or be at the end of your life. I didn't say end your life. That's a terrible way to put it. <laughs> Let's shift gears and talk about a career aha moment. You kind of touched on that when you said, ah, oh, maybe I should go do this. But is there another maybe aha moment in your life when you really took that big leap and said, yeah, this is the right direction? Well, you know, I when I was doing the research for the what I was going to do in, in terms of photography, I ended up coming across, I built a spreadsheet of photographers near the place that I thought I could start a business. As I looked up, uh, did Google searches and, and well, search engine searches, whatnot, you know, of photographers in my area, what became apparent is within a 10 mile radius of this building that I'm sitting in today, most of which is forest land. So as you push kind of west towards Seattle, Issaquah, whatnot, there was 108 at the time, there was 186 photographers. Wow. Um, and that was just people that were listed as doing business on Facebook. And the vast majority of those photographers were, they do everything in terms of life. So marriages, having kids and the, what, the kids graduation up and, and all yes. those things. Yeah. Yeah. And so typically what I found you trying to drill into each one to understand what was going on there is that, you know, they were typically second income earners. And so they ultimately they didn't have to make a living. They had to occupy their time. They had to have fun. It was great for them to do if it could pay for itself. Hey, that's wonderful. But, you know, it was not something where you have to make a living. And so 
Um, and that was apparent by the prices and how busy they were and whatnot. And so I chose as looking, trying to logistically look at the photography and what may, might have the most success, you know, do something differentiated and do something where you could charge a premium on price because nobody else was doing that. Well, you know, there's landscape photography and I mean, there's all this amazing photography out there that, uh, you know, that's probably not, I would love to do it, go camping for three weeks in the Canadian Rockies, which I just got back from doing, you know, I mean, I would love to do that, but you know, it's, it's not something realistically where I'm going to make money. So how to take that business, bring it close to me so that it's efficient. That means the studio. Okay. Now we can say, well, does anybody have a car studio? There are a couple or three, uh, that I keep tabs on. Um, they don't do what I do. They don't have the equipment that I have. And so I ended up with the infrastructure. I built the infrastructure and then I said, okay, I'm going to also apply a service on top of that. So one of the things that you might see with automotive photographers is you get a picture. So they'll, they'll either come out to your location, they'll take pictures, they'll do whatever, but it's kind of like their thing. It's what they do. Uh, your car is just a part of it. My model is different. My model goes a little bit back more, more to the people portrait industry. And that is, I want to provide the service and the picture is kind of the last 10%. So in some sense, the picture of the car is a hook to where people look at it and they say, wow, I, I can't get images like that anywhere else. Or I haven't seen those types of in- images anywhere else. They're really clean. There's no tree branches and clouds and birds and the guy that parks his orange car next to your you know, white car uh, at a car show. The idea when a customer or client comes out to my studio, we spend two hours roughly, uh, we place the car on a turntable, then the customer actually helps me position the car. They have a history of the car. They know what they've seen in magazines. They know what they like. They know what they don't like. And so there's a collaboration between myself and the customer. And, and if they don't know it all, they'd say, hey, you're the artist. Go to it. I shoot tethered to this big monitor. And they have a nice, comfortable seat. And we can say, I'll click a thing. And I'll, we'll move the car nine inches. And I'll take another shot. And I'll say, well, which one do you like better? And so through a series of iterations, we will go through a process where they're actually, they get to see everything. It's hands-on to them. They can be like, you know what? I wish the nose looked bigger. Well, I know how to do that. Okay, you lower the camera, the car comes forward. You up the camera, the car diminishes and goes to the background, right? And so I know the the logistics or the, you know, how to make the car look maybe the way that the client wants, but they are absolutely involved in this. And so 90% of what I do is that service. Wow. Right? And then the last 10% is just, well, here's this pretty image of the car. And yeah, so, yeah. you know, that is, again, trying to differentiate myself from other people with cameras that take pictures of cars and they would love to charge for it. There's if a lot of people a, with cameras to shoot cars. Yeah. <laughs> it's, if it's just a camera and it's just a, uh, the end result is a few pictures of your car. Right. I, I have not found personally that that's something that I could make a living at. Right. You know, this is a really uh, valuable golden nugget, as I like to say, you've dropped for us here. And that is differ- differentiating yourself. I mentioned Jason Tang, uh, Carl Noakes, who was out. They were both out at your studio recently shooting some beautiful things. Um, and, and some other photographers, and I've had a lot of photographers on the show, Michael Furman, uh, Bill Pack, who do some beautiful studio photography, uh, but a little bit different than what you do because you're there with the client. And I love the fact that he can sit back and see what you're doing and you're working, interacting with the client, whereas most photographers never want to have the client in the room because it's just a huge distraction and, and uh, gets away from what they're trying to do as, as far as creating art. Very, very cool what you've done here. I love it. It's a really, really nice way to uh, introduce photography in a very different way to your clients. It's really great. And I know you're out in a beautiful place in North Bend there that's just uh, fantastic as well. 
Let's have a little bit of fun and talk about your first really special car and maybe a memory you have about that vehicle. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, that goes back to uh, this Mustang that I purchased. I only had hand-me-down kind of junk that that I picked up before that. And so I ended up buying this plain Jane 302 four-speed or uh, automatic transmission car, and it was a total rust bucket. And the front end is all beat up, and my dad looked at it, and, you know, the there were metal grinding on metal, and stuff was going to fall off in the steering and, oh, and whatnot. But, you know, it was it was finally mine. I finally had something that was, you know, I thought was cool and, and that I was going to work on it. I ended up taking this vehicle, and once you make a clean spot, you know, all car guys know this, right? Once you make a clean spot, oh, man, the rest of it looks dirty. Yep. So if you can imagine then at some point going to Sears and purchasing a sandblaster and then going to the gravel agency and getting, a, you know, hundreds of pounds of silica sand, throwing health out the window to some degree, and, <laughs> and taking this and lifting it up on jacks and building a visqueen barrier inside my mom's garage – and then sandblasting the underside of this. And again, you know, once you make this clean spot, oh, geez, now there's, I don't like the way that looks. And so at some point, this car has a completely clean underside that nobody else has. And then it's painted and blah, blah, blah. And so this dust is going out of the garage and into the bushes. And my mom was, she cursed me for, I mean, I want to say the next 20 years about every time there's a windstorm, there's this white silica dust that blows out oh, of her bushes, you yes, know, anyway, yes. so <laughs> I, I know lots of people that have stories kind of like that, where it's, that was the first special one. And I still have it. I mean, it's still, it's actually worse condition than it is, you know, than when I purchased it. Uh, that was the car <laughs> that my parents made me stop working on after five years. I was yeah. still living in, in their house. And uh, so I still have it. It still out, sits out here in my shop and I haven't touched it since. But, you know, it has all the cool parts, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I went at the time and I bought all the stuff that you could buy for Mustangs and uh, it's all sitting in boxes. <laughs> and someday, it, it, you know, it's, it's going to be one of these things where it's going to be somebody's barn find. You'll read it in Mustang Monthly, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, hopefully, hopefully a ways into the future that's like, oh, my God, there was this photographer guy that, you know, passed away and they found this junk in his garage. And, oh, wow. You know, nobody nobody would have known the story if you hadn't been on Cars. Yeah, Bruce. Now it, the exactly. story's there. So at least it's, <laughs> it's preserved for uh, – Perfect uh, for the future, for the future owner. That's cool. Well, and the apple didn't fall from the far from the tree. Your grandfather building that car in his his uh, wife's uh, kitchen or living room or dining room. But at least you didn't. You weren't in the house. You were out in the garage. But. Right. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> I love it. Well, and just just like the Mustang, my grandfather's Model T sits in the garage as well. Sits well, out here. There you go. There and there's another barn find. Exactly. Yes. How about seller's remorse? Maybe you don't ever get rid of cars. Do you have a seller's remorse story? One of the benefits of working at Microsoft is at least 20-something years ago, the stock would go up rapidly. I never paid any attention to it. Uh, but ultimately, you know, uh, I started with a, a very little amount of money, and it kind of grew, let's say. Yeah. And when push <laughs> yeah. came to shove, and one of the cars that I thought – I saw some kid at a like an Eagle Hardware store, and he was with his dad. And this is a young kid, but he say he's 20. And he gets out of this blue and white Dodge Viper. And I, I just looked at that guy and said, man, who are you? Like, what? who can do that? Right. And so two years later, which is, you know, really not that long, I found myself in a position to be the guy that was the guy that I was questioning. You yeah, know? yeah. And I'm not any different. I never changed. But here I am and I'm able to acquire this, you know, particular 1997 uh, blue and white Dodge Viper GTS. Cool. And so it just sat in my garage and I use it as a photo studio car now and it's got 7,000 miles on it. And but it's one of those things where I'm kind of a Ford guy, so I couldn't buy the Shelby, so I got the this Dodge Viper instead, which still had Shelby's association with it. Right. And I even named my daughter Shelby, and you know, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> so anyway, it's one of those cars that is for sale, 
Um, it's not for sale for some price that, you know, is some fire sale price. It is, you know, somebody would have to probably use it in their business and, and have advertise, advertise their business through this car. Yeah. It just gets attention no matter where it goes. It's one of those things where I wish I could keep it, but at the same time, how to run a business and make the business actually really work so that the future comes a little bit faster and so I do I would I regret selling it absolutely but you know it's one of those things where unfortunately I think that's the logical move. <laughs> well Bruce you're the first guest out of 1084 people that doesn't have a seller's remorse but has one for sale. Well, I think that's pretty <laughs> funny. Might tell you something maybe you shouldn't let it go but uh, I understand what you're saying. Uh got to have working capital to run a business properly exactly. for sure. Well, what are you working on today and tomorrow that has you excited and fired up? And I know we're doing this show very early in the morning, 6.30 in the morning here on a Monday morning, but I know you got something exciting happening to you today that you can't really talk about. Hopefully, we'll hear about it later, but what's got you fired up about your business right now? Well, you know what? Uh, it was stagnated for a long time, right? And so, and, and I have never run a business before. Actually, pushing the button on a camera is 5% of it. And so, there's all this other stuff that I didn't understand. And so, um, you know, when I get nervous, I build stuff, you know, so I built a studio, I built, you know, all this, I, you know, you could actually come in here, I've got a, uh, you know, one day I decided, hey, it'd be really cool to build a stage. So I, I built this kind of a, a stage so that I could, instead of looking through the camera and looking down on people, now the stage is up enough to where I look through the camera and we're kind of eye to eye, right? So, um, and then I took that idea and said, oh, hey, let's make a fashion runway, you know, I got this 3,000 square foot of space, and I'd love to show people how this studio is differentiated from other studios that are maybe slightly more segmented. And so I built this fashion runway, and I've had people out here doing fashion stuff, and we've had pinup classes, and we've had – so in terms of the current project, right now it's just trying to make the business run. Uh-huh. The The thing that's really going for me right now is that I've had people come out to the studio – Right. So it's one of those things where the chicken or the egg. So in order to entice people out here, what does that mean? Right. And so it really kind of means I need I need word of mouth because all of this online advertising is kind of the same. Um, You know, hey, come out here, come out here, come out here. But once people are out here standing in the building and they're looking at all of this stuff and they're going through this process so far to a person, they have been completely overwhelmed in terms of their surprise. Right. You know, moving a vehicle nine inches can completely change it in terms of the picture. So now I have a whole bunch of advocates. So probably I have like 30 people that are like, they, they want so bad to help me. And they're just out there telling everybody in car shows and, and, and all this stuff. And you can, you know, with Jason and Carl and all this, you know, they're really, they're really helping kind of get the word out, you know? And so that's kind of like, Right now, the biggest thing that's going on is that just getting people here, having that experience, and then having them go do something in terms of kind of foot-by-foot marketing, you know? Right, right. No, that's huge. I mean, it's it's really great. Networking is what it's all about. They always say it's not what you know, who you know. And I, boy, I've learned that over the years. Uh, it really is about who you know. I think that's fantastic. And having uh, some local shooters that are promoting you, I know we're going to get my car up there, have some fun so I can promote what you're doing and share with my group of people. And I think once that you, you press that little barrier there, you're going to start to see, oh, people will ship cars into you uh, because you've got this really, really unique and different format that, than I've ever seen of anybody out there. So kudos to you for what you're doing. It's very cool. Well, here's a very introspective question to kind of learn a little bit more about what Bruce, how, how Bruce thinks about himself. If you were a vehicle, what would you be, Bruce, and why? Well, <laughs> so I think uh, I would say a vehicle. So I would say 
like a TD four international TD four bulldozer. And I, I bring that up just because I actually have one sitting here in my yard. Well, of course. Uh, from, why wouldn't you? <laughs> uh, yeah. From uh, the 1940s. And, and uh, I use it actually to level up my yard and build some trails and, and whatnot oh my on, on my property. So one of the things about that thing is it's absolutely unstoppable. I don't do anything fast. I'm uh, everything for me is like this. There's a universe full of stars flying by me at any moment, you know, and some people can actually get rid of all that noise and just pick out two or three things and perhaps they have a path. And I'm one of those people where I see everything and it's all this noise and it's, it just makes it so I really need to understand things well. So I go really slow. And of course the cost of mistakes are high. You know, and I found that when I'm running this bulldozer around and you back into a tree and the tree falls over, Oh yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> <laughs> so you have to be careful with it. It's very focused if you want to get the job done, and it's just something that's big. It's not very pleasant to look at necessarily, <laughs> and it, and it, but it, it, it's it's very focused on just getting the, the job done that it's that's set out to do. Well, nicely said, well thought through, and you're the first bulldozer on the show, which I think is pretty pretty cool. So I think that's a fair assessment of how you perceive yourself. I like that. Thanks for being so honest. Well, Bruce, up next is the last lap, but before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah! sponsors. Do you know the best way to protect your vehicle, both the exterior and the interior, is with a car cover? I've been using Covercraft car covers since 1975. That's right, 1975. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. Covercraft has been manufacturing premium quality exterior and interior covers for over 50 years with a stellar reputation for durability and design. They're the world's largest manufacturer of custom-patterned vehicle covers that are crafted to fit over 80,000 patterns and growing. They are the only cover I'll put on my vehicles. You can choose from a wide variety of fabrics, styles, colors, and more. From full cover designs for factory to custom-made vehicles, plus convertible top covers, trucks, truck cab coolers, motorcycles, scooters, ATVs, trailers, campers, personal watercraft, and a wide variety of custom features. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at Covercraft.com and tell them Mark sent you. That's Covercraft.com. Hey, this is Mark Green. Are you interested in selling online and building a sustainable business? Bonanza is a marketplace platform that empowers you to create your dream business. Getting started at Bonanza is easy. You can start fresh or import your items from other marketplaces like Amazon, eBay, Etsy, or Shopify. Auto parts and accessories are a high-performance category at Bonanza, and there's no risk involved in signing up. There are no listing fees or monthly fees. You pay only when you make the sale. Bonanza listens to seller feedback and uses it to improve tools and build new features, so there are tons of customization options for sellers no matter what the size of your business. Be sure to sign up using the link bonanza.com slash cars yeah and you'll receive a free consultation with Bonanza experts who make sure that you are on your way to generating sales. That's bonanza.com slash cars yeah. Okay Bruce we're back and we're entering the last lap. I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? 
Uh, I would have to say, based on my overland trips that I take out into remote areas, uh, it's better to fix things in your garage, uh, preventative maintenance, than it is to do it out in the mosquito-infested hills of northern Canada. So, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> I, I, that's one of the things I do very thoroughly, you bet. Well, back to that be prepared. You know, they say I've had hundreds of race car drivers, many a race is won before you even get to the track. So. Yeah. Uh, very true. Would you share one of your personal habits you believe has contributed to your many successes over the years? Uh, I think probably attention to detail. Again, I mean, I, I, I have so many things and it drives my wife crazy, but, you know, I have so many things that uh, I see or at least I attempt to see. And then the, as a photographer, that's really good. Hey, the, your car's turned, you know, we're, we're missing the last S of the SS or, you know, something like that. It's those little details where once you put the whole thing together, now it actually, it stands out more than the one that looks similar. Right. But it's just a little bit off. Yeah, I love it. Great. How about a resource? There are lots of great resources. Is there one you'd like to share? You know what? One of the ones that I used extensively was Creative Live. They have a bunch of photography courses, online photography courses. I have certainly no affiliation with them. It's just one of those things where I get asked by photographers quite a bit about resources to share. And they have been uh, one of the best for me. Absolutely. I'm familiar with Creative Live. Great resource. Now, if I could arrange for you to have a drink with anyone in the automotive industry, living or deceased, who would that person be? Probably one of the things, one of the most interesting people would be Henry Ford. Yes. And, you know, he started with at least, you know, I, I you know, there was horses and buggies and, and whatnot. And, and look what he did with that empire, you know. And so he, to me, would be somebody that like figured it out. Yeah, in many ways. And I, you read uh, stories about him. Uh, you have to think about this. His first factory, there is no power grid. He had to, he had to build his own power factory to run his his factory. I mean, think about that. It's, it's absolutely amazing. And assembly uh, lines and the whole yeah, nine yards. The right? whole I mean, thing. Just, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Great story. Great story. He's the most most commonly mentioned person when I ask that question here in the wow. show. It was okay. people. Well, it makes sense. You know, yeah. uh, Carol Shelby's number two, but uh, okay. absolutely. Now, how about a book? Is there a book you read that you'd like to uh, share with our listeners? Uh, there's a book called uh, Smoke Jumpers. Oh, yeah. And, and uh, Jason Ramos is a is a fellow uh, van enthusiast. He wrote the book, and I'm I'm good friends with Jason. And you know, it's just one of these fa absolutely fascinating things of what some people do for careers and, and yes. how how it gets done. And and uh, you know, imagine you know you're going to a fire and you're jumping out of a plane and into I mean, the you know, fire. Yeah. Into the, exactly right. So yeah, yeah, it's, it's amazing. Fascinating, amazing book. Incredibly brave people that go and do things like that to uh, to help the rest of society. It just blows me away. Well, listeners, you can find all these great links that Bruce has shared on his show notes page. Just go to carsyeah.com, type in Bruce McCallum, M-C, a big C, A-L-L-U-M is the spelling of his last name, and all these great resources will pop up. All right, Bruce, we're up to the checkered flag, and this last question could be a bit of a doozy. I'm going to make you get rid of all your collector cars today, but I'm going to buy you one to have in your garage. You can only have one, but money is no object. And uh, there's a couple other rules. You have to drive it. Can't sit around. I want you to enjoy it. No garage queens. Of course, you can take as many pictures of it as you'd like. What would that special vehicle be and why? Maybe I'll break a little bit with tradition here, but I, I'm going to go with, uh, you know, kind of Ford's effort in NASCAR when they were running, they, they attempted to run a 427 single overhead cam V8. It's a mystery engine to some degree. I used to sit in my dad's garage and, and I would see pictures of this thing in, in these old hot rod magazines. And so 
The car is not really a beautiful car, but boy, I sure would like to run that engine. What's the car? Uh, the car would be like a Galaxy or a Torino. Okay. Uh, but it was it was it would be one of the ones that Ford was trying to get NASCAR to homologate into their racing series. And, you know, this just happened to be an engine that was a completely cheater engine at the time that would allow them to go, you know, toe to toe with Dodge and whatnot. So wait a uh, minute. There was cheating in NASCAR? Huh? What? (laughs) I didn't know that. (laughs) Fantastic. Well, that's a very cool and interesting and unique answer as well, which is is pretty neat. Um, I like it because of the passion behind it. Lots of times people will pick cars that are super expensive or unobtainium. I mean, this car. Pretty hard to find one of these, but I'm sure they're out there uh, hiding somewhere, maybe in some barn somewhere. So I'll get to work uh, peeking through some bushes and see if I can find one of those for you. Bruce, you've taken me on a great ride today. Thanks for uh, getting up real early today. I know you've got a busy day ahead of you, but I appreciate you sharing this time with me and the Cars Yeah listeners. And want to thank you for sharing your journey. Is there a, a parting piece of wisdom or guidance you might offer us before you rip off into the forest in that that old Ford Galaxy or Torino? Um, I think, uh, you know, just one of the things I used to do a bunch of trip reports for my, my, uh, travels in my van and so, and, uh, motorcycle stuff that we used to do anyway. So regardless of the scope of your first journey or your next journey, here's to inspiration, preparation, and determination. So that was kind of a tag and pass it on. That was kind of my tagline, right? So the idea is that go do something cool and go share it with others. That is the key. Pass it on to others, share with others. That's exactly what you've done today. You've been an inspiration and and sharing is so important here on Cars Yeah. What's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and Epic Exposure? Uh, I guess probably the best way that links to everything else is just my primary website, which is epic-exposure.com. I'll let the listeners know, too. I ran into Bruce first at the Exotics at Redmond Town Center Car Show one morning. Uh, he was in there as early as I was, one of the first people to show up. Got to meet uh, Shelby, your daughter. That was fun. We were sitting there having a coffee and a pastry in the morning, and uh, enjoying the watching the cars come in. Um, I would encourage you to check out what Bruce is up to. Um, and of course, if you live in this area, uh, you can take your car to him. If you live out of this area, you can get your car to him and have him shoot it. I think you're going to find it to be a very, very unique and fun experience. And again, you can find everything about how to contact Bruce on his Cars yeah website here at CarsYow.com. Bruce, thanks for being so generous today with your time, your expertise, and for sharing your experiences with me and the Cars yeah audience. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thank you very much, Mark. Thank you. What's every automotive enthusiast's dream? To design and build that perfect garage. My friends at Metron Garage are a group of creative talents who've combined their passion for cars with their careers in architecture. Their service includes unique garage design and state-of-the-art fabrication. They will create the coolest custom garage for you and your vehicles. Metron Garage's system features fully engineered commercial-grade material and structural framing that's stronger than traditional construction. Their designs are pre-engineered to meet your building codes for fast, bolt-together construction. With over 25 years of experience, you'll see a 3D rendering to visualize your custom garage, and the final structure will fulfill all your storage needs. Contact Metron Garage today and begin realizing your dream garage. Go to metrongarage.com. That's metrongarage.com. Garages built for discerning enthusiasts. Where it's not just a garage, it's where your dream garage comes true. You take care of your cars. 
But who takes care of your investments? Tune-ups aren't just for engines. Updating your financial plan is important, too. Your GPS may take you from A to B, but it won't help you on the road to financial freedom. For that, you need a good co-pilot and a very trusted advisor. Chris Kimball, CFP, is just the man for the job. He'll guide you down that road without driving you crazy. For over 25 years, Chris has helped people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. With a master's degree in financial services, he is eminently qualified, and he's a car guy too. Learn more at chrisvkimball.com or call 866-ON-A-PLAN. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member FINRA SIPC. CK Financial Services is not affiliated with Money Concepts Capital Corp. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.